first offering today in this podcast to myself, which is a diary, um, is, well, build on the idea that um, institutions carefully developed over long periods of time may be damaged either for a short time or a long time as a result of this coronavirus. Uh, Well, uh, economies for a start. Capitalism itself may suffer. Um, Our social systems, for example, inalienable rights, uh, which suddenly look alienable like um, a lot of people yeah we we get lulled into this false sense uh, that there are certain rights that are universal in all contexts you know and, and a lot of those are getting thrown out the window right now okay um either temporarily or permanently well permanently whatever that means but um now um Political systems, you know. Uh, yeah, anything could fall over. The American Republic could fall over, yeah, and replace and be replaced by an empire. The United States Empire. It's happened before. Happened to Rome. Um, and and Rome, you know, the Western Roman Empire even fell, and uh, that in large part was down to a plague, and yeah, and lots of other factors too, but. A plague amongst the armies of Rome towards the fall of the Western Roman Empire had a lot to do with it. I think Rome might have pulled through, but for that. Um, yeah, so Westminster system, you know, could be damaged permanently. Um, yeah. The Australian political fabric, yeah. anything could happen. Democracy, that could be damaged and so on and so forth. Um, but other institutions, will, you know, um, journalism, you know, f- uh, free, fair and professional journalism, well, that will suffer um, temporarily, at least, and maybe permanently. Uh, it could be damaged. Other systems, you know, like, you know, for examples, for example, celebrities uh, being... Um, in a privileged position as spokespeople for the masses, you know, that could suffer some damage. Uh, you know, um, and we may, rec- you know, we may suddenly uh, twig that they were nothing but singers and actors all along, you know, because, well, during the coronavirus um, era, uh, they have nothing much to offer, nowhere near as much as a scientist, for example, or a you know true leaders. You know, a lot of these celebrities start to believe they're leaders when the times are good, but there's no challenges on the plate. Yeah, you know, they invent challenges. You know, we have got this horrendous situation, and they are horrendous situations. You know, but a horrendous situation of domestic violence in Australia, or you know, unfairness towards LGBTQI people, or you know, these are all very definite problems. Yeah. You know, however, um, 
you know, these are the problems that celebrities can be leaders on in times of uh, in in the good times, uh, but they're not much. They're not much point. The celebrities are of not much use against something that's a little bit overwhelming, you know, um, big like a coronavirus. You know, and what to do there? You know, celebrities. You know, how are they going to um, force social distancing? for example, amongst the young. You know, are they going to sort of ask them nicely and implore them you know, via social media? That won't work. They're relatively powerless. powerless. You need a dictator in there um, sending the army out and, and the police to shoot people who aren't following the rules. You know, love doesn't cut it. Um, there's a lot of people saying that love can solve all, but it can't. Sometimes only a gun can. Look, I don't mean a gun, but I mean at least fining people for breaking rules like, you know, breaking quarantine, you know, getting all this sort of stuff, you know. Um, celebrities, you know, celebrity advice becomes pointless at that point in time, you know, when, when the odds become bigger. Uh, when the when the drama becomes bigger, and we start to need dictators and you know, police in jackboots forcing you to do what you're told, that sort of thing, you know. But you know, but of all, there are so many institutions, you know, the arts world, as I said, media, um, uh, the ju- you know, the judiciary, um. I, th- I think, uh, yeah, in Iran, thousands of prisoners were simply set free because we did, they didn't know how to handle them in, in, you know, with coronavirus rampant. And even in Melbourne, in Australia, um, a whole lot of court cases have simply, you know, they're not going to be heard. Yeah. And I'm sure there are many disputes in international law um, are not being heard now. I know Australia had two disputes on foot. Uh, one against Canada and one against India. Uh, I think the Canada one was a dispute over wine and the Canada one might have been a dispute over rice or salt or something or sugar. Um, anyway, whatever it was, um, we had two disputes. I don't think they're going to be heard. You know, so a local law and international law start their institutions too and they start to take a beating so all the systems all the systems we we build up in the good times you know start to suffer damage democracies the you know the one that i think will suffer most obviously most quickly and rights your rights you don't have any rights anymore at this point in time you sitting there in isolation in your house you've got very few rights right now you can't even walk out your front door in most in a lot of countries, and that will apply in Australia too. How many rights do you think that is? Yeah, and um, and and your right to your property that you own. Well, if this got thing got really bad, the government can just walk in and take you know and just commandeer your house. You don't own it as strongly as you think you own it. You own it. You know, all these things. Now. Um, Back to the media for a second. I just fired off a text to someone because I like to think aloud, and it's on the you know on the the way that institutions can start to fall apart. Democracy's easy because you can't get everyone out to vote. You can't get anyone out to vote. You know, how does every, how does a vote 
for or against Donald Trump happen, and electronic voting systems simply have failed every time they've tried them in America lately. Um, how, you know, how do you get everyone out to vote? The election can't go ahead, but the election has to go ahead according to their constitution at the end of this year. What if it can't? Suddenly Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. You know, um, the American Republic, the constitution starts to fail. Democracy starts to fail. Could happen here too in Australia, right? Now, but on the media, I just fired off a text now. And my texts, you know, they're not supposed to be clever or anything like that, but they're just thought bubbles, you know. And this is the first item in this episode in my daily, almost daily, coronavirus diary. Uh, and I have noticed that the BBC World Service, by the way, is starting to find it hard to get reporters where they need them to be. So that's what this text is about. And, you know, and the institution that is the free, fair, you know, relatively free, relatively fair, relatively unbiased and very professional BBC World Service starts to be ineffective. And here's my text. P.S. BBC World Service is starting to fall apart. They can't get reporters anywhere. Rigorous journalism starts to disappear off the radar, and more and more, our best source of information on the ground will be unregulated and often chaotic thinking, yet dead sure of themselves as legitimate sources. Broadcasters, in inverted commas, on social media. Okay, that's the first item for today's coronavirus diary. There, there are more coming up. Uh, well, there's the obvious one, and I've kind of mentioned it before, but I wasn't sure which way it was going. It's this business of um, do younger people, by younger, and I've already mentioned this one, uh, do younger people not care, do they care not for the safety of older people? Now, I wasn't sure whether which way that one was going. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure whether older people were playing fast and loose with their own lives a few episodes ago, or whether younger people were playing fast and loose with older people's lives. Now, I still am not sure which way that's going, uh, but um, Scott Morrison, our you know, beloved leader, <laughs> now, actually I think he's doing a good job, yeah. uh, but that's that takes a lot of analysis to decide whether that is true or not. Uh, analysis I haven't done. Uh, but Scott Morrison got on the blower, I think it was yesterday, and very much chastised younger people. And I think he was talking sort of people between 18 and 40, or 18 and 50, you know. Um, for, you know, given that they are not at risk, healthy people, uh, given that they are not at risk, um, still gathering and living their lives, you know, conveniently, um, having parties and all that sort of stuff, and not isolating, in short, not acting as, refusing to act as if they themselves are going to die. Because that's an argument, I think, that even if you are just simply not going to die, because of coronavirus 
and you don't even know anyone who is going to die or um, if uh, you um, know that you're not going to come into contact with anyone that you know who or that you know that you're not going to come into contact with anyone who is elderly or you know sick you know um, you know does it matter as much if you don't go extreme um, and there is an argument out there that you know and this is sort of a version a, a, a version of infection control but it's not actually infection control but it's a version of classic inf infection control um, there is an argument I think which popped up into my head but I'm sure it's on everyone else's minds as well that you should and this is my version of that infection control that I'm talking about that you should and you should have from the start you should act as if you're going to die like behave as if you're going to die even if you're mixing only with healthy people because you're contributing to the spread and you are contributing to the death the killing you know um, so my version of infection control is this um, if you think that you you know that elderly and sick people should go to greater lengths than you should to um, avoid cor uh, coronavirus then you are being evil um, you know, you're you're being a murderer you know because collectively all the people who are doing that are murdering people I, I think there is no doubt about that you know, no doubt about that at all so you're a little bit a murderer now just because you're only a little bit a murderer yeah um, doesn't make you not a murderer yeah um, just because there's a million people guilty and only you know a, a couple of thousand of them actually transmitted the disease but no one knew in advance which which of you were that those people um, that doesn't make you less a murderer. You are a murderer, you know, arguably. Okay, so that's, um, I think, there's some logic in that. You know, you might beg to differ. Uh, but I think that's what Scott Morrison was getting at. Act as if you will die if you catch coronavirus, because that's what elderly people have to do. They have to act like that. Why shouldn't you? Tell me now. Ah, just joking, you can't. Aha, uh -huh, and as a corollary to that, because I forgot this bit, and I think I mentioned this previously, um, if it is true, and I'm not saying it is, but if it is true that in general, younger people care not, or not enough, about the future of older people, uh, what sort of light does that shine on that Greta Thunberg speech not too long ago, the climate change one, in which, shaking with fury, she said, how dare you, you know, to older people who were caring not enough about the future of younger people. Because right now we've got younger people caring not enough about older people. Interesting. You know, this, you know, look, oh, look, as far as I'm concerned, older people and younger people are working together in as much as, you know, my kids care whether I die and I care whether my kids die and I care about my kids' futures. Apparently I do, but I'm still driving a car. 
it's a hard formula to calculate. Um, but let's just put that aside for a moment. There, you know, there, there is a war uh, between the younger generations and the older generations, only in as much as there always is. Even back in the time of Socrates, there was. You know, he used to say that, you know, the younger generation, you know, they're nowhere near as tough as us, you know, and all that sort of stuff. This, you know, this, every generation the same. But, you know, what sort of light does that shine on the Greta Thunberg speech and all the millions of younger people who are marching in the streets, angry and frustrated at older people for not caring about their futures enough? Uh, when, right now, the older people are cowering and hiding in their bunkers, in their backyards, um, frightened at the activities of younger people, who, it must be said, really don't care enough about their lives uh, to have really only started to isolate once they were forced to, you know, because people I know who are elderly and who have underlying health issues have been isolating for a couple of weeks now. And that's why, you know, that's why I have been too. Uh, but it's an interesting formula. And, you know, I haven't heard much from Greta Thunberg. Maybe Greta will soon come out with a speech that is that chastises younger people and, you know, she'll stand up in the UN and say, how dare you, shaking with fury and pointing the finger at younger people for caring not enough about the futures of older people, like very old people and frail people, obviously, and people with health, you know, underlying health issues. You know, I'm waiting for that speech, Greta. I may be waiting for some time. Coronavirus Diary, episode number, whatever episode number we are up to. Now, um, I'm getting sick of the word coronavirus, finally. Uh, by the way, COVID-19 is starting to work for me. Uh, but I'll keep saying coronavirus, probably out of habit. Um, COVID-19 didn't sound right for a while. All right. Thought for the moment. If I was a historian, a proper historian, um, and I was just about to die right now, I'd be really upset because this is one of the great moments, one of the hinge moments of history. If I was actually, if I was a um, someone who loved studying politics, economics, History, all of that stuff, you know, society. Um, look, I am someone who loves all that stuff, but I'm not very good at it. If I was someone who was into all of that, and I was really great at it, you know, I had dedicated my life to it, um, I'd be really upset if I died right now, because we are in the middle of a hinge moment in history. Anything could happen, you know? Will capitalism survive? Will democracy survive? 
um, is this going to make us better people? Is this going to make us worse people? And so on and so forth, you know. This is not a good time to die. Uh, because it's an exciting time on one level. ...by Professor of Law, Salia Anthony from the University of Technology, Sydney. So what are the risks in prisons? The risks are that the transmission rate will be especially... Oh, <laughs> that's sort of that news item that you don't really need to listen to. Um, okay, now, because you just know that <laughs> there are risks in prisons. Okay, uh, next item, next cab off the rank. Um, there is a, uh, the phrase of the year would be panic buying. Yeah. It's, um, the competition is hot. Yeah, there are a lot of phrases that could make it um, as phrase of the year, but panic buying. Now, there are people who panic buy. I think there's no doubt about that. There's panic buying of toilet rolls. That's the most famous one. Um, but that doesn't mean that everyone who is being a seagull and, and, and got his beady eyes, like I have, out... Um, peeled and pointed in the direction of supermarkets as he drives around. Uh, that doesn't mean that um, seagulls like me are necessarily panic buying if that's what we're doing all the time, every chance we get. And making sure that we've even got more than our share, we're not necessarily panic buying and we're not necessarily hoarding either. Um, all right, there are panic buyers. There's no doubt about that. But if you see me um, scurrying, like a rat yeah. or skittering like a seagull into a supermarket to grab my 10 pack of toilet rolls that does not mean that I am necessarily panic buying uh, this may be rational uh, rational buying <laughs> not panic buying yeah, because when rational people see other people panic buying well, it would be irrational not to go in and buy. You're not panicking. In fact, I'm quite relaxed. I'm extremely relaxed. Number one, because I've got a fair bit of toilet roll already. Um, and number two, because, well, have you listened to the last 177 episodes or whatever it is that I've made? I, I'm not a panicker, uh, but other people are. Right, so this means that when I... Yeah, like a sewer rat scurry into a supermarket and grab my 10 pack of toilet rolls um well I'm being rational and relaxed there's no panic there I've got a fair few I've got a fair bit of toilet roll um and I'm going to get more too uh oh I'm, I'm giving a, I'm giving a couple of rolls away too not too many because I want to keep a fair few given a couple away, a couple of packs, um, to a few people that needed it. And if I got the chance right now, I didn't get to hoard, but right now, in hindsight, I'd probably hoard, get heaps, and then um, when um, the push comes to shove, then I would start giving it out. I'm a philanthropist. I'm a toilet paper philanthropist. You know, I'm not a socialist. Yeah. And I'm not lovely and nice to my fellow man. I'm looking after people 
that I know who may well be people up and down my street. In fact, one of the packs I gave out just the other day was someone up and down my street. Right, now, um, so is this panic buying? No, it's rational buying. And I'll be on and I'm going to keep doing it too. Bad luck pensioners, you know. Now this sounds really horrible, me saying that, but it's rational. It's not even necessarily um, so horrible or evil. In fact, do you know the people I've given toilet rolls to so far have said how lovely I am. And yet you and I know that I'm actually horrible because I've been grabbing more toilet paper than I need. And I'm going to keep doing it too. Oh, we have an ethics uh, dilemma here. I'll let that one slide. I can keep making jokes about that one. Um, but it's true. I'm, 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 I've got my eyes out for more toilet roll and I've got at least three weeks worth. Or we have, you know. But I'm the one doing the uh, doing the seagulling, um, the ratting, uh, the grabbing of, of as much toilet roll as I can get. Which is not much now because we're limited to one roll of toilet paper. But, um, you know... If, uh, you know, I would go to, th- I would, um, what do they call it? Um, I would, uh, they call it doctor shopping, don't they? When people get drugs, you know, then, then um, right. No, chemist shopping. You know, like you go to um, multiple places so that you can get um, ephedrine, is it? Or, you know, whatever those um, tablets are uh, over the counter. And then you go to 50 chemists in one day until you get enough to grind up and turn them into hard drugs. <laughs> All right. Now, um, so I'm shop shopping for toilet roll. Yeah, in the same way that um, people doctor shop or chemist shop. All right. Now, so that's that. Now, so there are panic buyers out there uh, panicking that they're going to miss out on toilet roll. Uh, but there are rational people watching the panic buyers and then in a calm and relaxed way saying to themselves, it is rational for me to go and grab as much toilet roll as I can, not only for myself, but definitely for myself. Yeah, because this thing could actually, anything could happen in the next six months, and we could be going five months without toilet roll. Who cares? What are you talking about? Says, you know, people from certain other cultures around the world. Um, uh, We don't even use toilet paper. To which I'd say, yeah, I know, but no. You of all people, do you need a lesson on culture? You know, you're always telling us that we don't understand culture. Don't you understand culture? In our culture, we need toilet roll. <laughs> don't, you, don't you know anything about culture? <laughs> you guys <laughs> from other cultures <laughs> who don't need toilet roll? We need it. I, the lesson on culture is endeth. <laughs> right. So that's it, you know. So, all right, I'm on the prowl again, looking. Oh, I'm looking for someone coming out of. I'm, I'm actually near Woolworths right now, and I'm looking for people coming out of Woolworths in Airport West with toilet roll. No one's got any, but you know, I will get lucky sometimes. It's like a, you know, it's like you know, like asking girls out on a date, or in my case, boys. You know, when I was young. Um, you ask 10 out and you might get lucky on the 11th. Right, next episode, next por- uh, partial episode coming up.
Next item is endless uh, material for um, a, 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 a diary on coronavirus. Um, right, next item. Um, someone I know has been over uh, more than once, you know, like at least two or three times, uh, been sort of defiantly saying, I will not be extra friendly. You know, if, you know, I, I'm i not looking for new friends, things like this, you know. Um, I refuse to be friendly to you and things like this. And I was sort of thinking, what the hell are you talking about? You know, why would you just walk down the street and, yeah, you know, essentially, not on the street, but, you know, online and all that sort of stuff. Why would you, yeah, be going around saying to people, I'm not going to be your friend. No, I refuse to be your friend. Why would you do that? Then I was enlightened. Unbeknown to me, there's a whole movement and pressure out there. I'm not on social media, so I miss a lot of things. There's a whole movement that is trying to force people. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, there's probably a hashtag, you know. Hashtag be kind to your neighbours. This is the time for the community to pull together you know, love one another as I, Doris, you know, from North Essendon, and being a saint and loving everybody, you know, this sort of thing. You know, so apparently um, it's getting on people's nerves. People online, you know, <sighs> telling people how to act. Yeah, I was not aware of this. So in a vacuum, someone going around saying, you know, the idea of being nice to everyone, it's really annoying me. Stop telling me. You know, no, not, not that bit, you know. But I just heard it in a vacuum, you know. Um, if I want new friends, I'll call for you. You know what I mean? This sort of thing. So I was thinking, this is weird. Why would you be... Why so aggressive? You know? Yeah, just walking up to someone, you know, virtually, and saying, No! Why would you do that? And um, and now I know. Uh, it's because pious people are telling other people yeah, to be extra friendly to each other. Yeah, the, everyone thinks they're Jesus. The world is full of secular Jesuses. And this is the problem, you know. And when people are, are, are shoving it down your throat and telling you to be a nicer person, well, what are you going to do? You're going to flip to the opposite, aren't you? Yeah. You know, a lot of people would have been like that when Jesus was around. Love one another. He said, love one another. You know, he was probably just going around saying, love, everybody love, love, love. And, you know, when people say, every, when people go on and on about that too much, it kind of makes a lot of us go the other way. So, whilst early on when my friend was doing this sort of thing, being what I thought was overly aggressively unfriendly, now I understand. That has been the next instalment in my little grabs, you know, from uh, the world that is coronavirus, COVID-19, and I'll come up with another grab very soon, no doubt. You know, there's, a, there's endless material. Actually, that'll do for this episode.